And good afternoon. You're listening to Ken, Ken Hodnell Show. Coming to you from our studios right here in exciting El Paso, Texas. Gateway to the Old West and the most haunted city in the country. Well, today is January 23rd, 23rd day of the new year. 342 days remain to the year's over with. And let's see. Holidays and observances. Snowplow Mailbox Hockey Day. <coughs> Speak of a Succeed Day. National Rhubarb Pie Day. National Handwriting Day. Farmhouse Breakfast Week. National Fresh Squeeze Juice Week. <coughs> Family Mediation Week. Snow Sculpting Week. Week of Prayer for Christian Unity. It's Mariska Harkaday's birthday. Plays on SVU. Olivia Benson. Veganary, Thyroid Awareness Month. Uh, National Slow Cooking Month. Bread Machine Baking Month. National Skating Month. January, Dry January. National Blood Donor Month. Manuary. International Brain Teaser Month, National Clean Up Your Computer Month, Good Organized Month, International Creativity Month, Celebration of Life Month, National Oatmeal Month, National Be Kind to Food Servers Month, National Hot Tea Month, National Birth Defects Awareness Month, Get a Balanced Life Month, and National Hobby Month. All righty. In 393, Roman Emperor Theodosius I proclaimed his eight-year-old son, Honorius, co-emperor. <coughs> it's nice to have a job when you're young. 971, using crossbows, Song Dynasty troops soundly defeat a war elephant corps of the Southern Han in Shao. 1264, in a conflict between King Henry III of England and his rebellious barons led by Solomon de Montfort, King Louis IX of France issues the demise of Amiens, a one-sided decision in favor of Henry that later leads to the Second Barons' War. In 1368, Su Yongzhang proclaims himself the Hongwu Emperor, beginning the Ming Dynasty. 1546, having published nothing for 11 years, Francois Rabelais publishes the Tiers Livre, his sequel to Gargantua and Pantangrul. 1556, the deadliest earthquake in history, the Shanghai earthquake, hits Shanghai privates in China. Death toll may be as high as 830,000. 1570, James Stewart, 1st Earl of Moray, regent for the infant King James VI of Scotland, is assassinated by firearm, the first recorded instance of such. 1571, the Royal Exchange opens in London. And in 1579, the Union of Utrecht forms a Protestant Republic in the Netherlands. 1656, Blaise Pascal publishes the first of his 
Letters Provinciales. 1719, the Principality of Liechtenstein is created within the Holy Roman Empire. 1789, Georgetown College, the first Catholic university in the U.S., is founded in Georgetown, uh, Maryland, uh, now part of Washington, D.C. When Bishop John Carroll, Reverend Robert Molyneux, and Reverend John Ashton purchased land for the proposed academy for the education of youth. 1793, Second Partition of Poland. 1795, after an extraordinary charge across the frozen Zyder Zee, the French cavalry captured 14 Dutch ships and 850 guns. This was a rare occurrence of a battle between ships and cavalry. 1846, slavery in Tunisia is abolished. 1849, Elizabeth Blackwell is awarded her M.D. by the Geneva Medical College of Geneva, New York. Became the United States' first female doctor. 1870, Montana, cavalrymen uh, kill 173 Native Americans, mostly women and children, in what's become known as the Marias uh, Massacre. 1879, Anglo War. Battle of Rock's Drift comes to an end on this date. 1899, the Malolos Constitution is inaugurated, established in the first Philippine Republic. Emilio Aguinaldo is sworn in as the first president. 1900, the Second Boer War, Battle of Spion Kop between the forces of the South African Republic and the Orange Free State, and the British forces ends in a British defeat. 1904, Alasun Fire, Norwegian coastal town of Alasun is devastated by fire, left 10,000 people homeless and one person dead. Kaiser Wilhelm II funds the rebuilding of the town in Jugendstil style. 1909, RMS Republic, passenger ship of the White Star Line becomes the first ship to use the CQD distress signal after colliding with another ship, the SS Florida, off the Massachusetts coast, an event that kills six people. Republic sinks the next day. 1912, the International Opium Convention is signed in The Hague. 1919, the first regional congress of peasants, workers, and insurgents is held by the Magnolischina uh, at uh, Veli Comis Galvaya. 1920, Netherlands refuses to surrender the exiled Kaiser Wilhelm II of Germany to the Allies. 1937, trial of the anti-Soviet Trotskysk Center. See 17 middle of a communist accused of sympathizing with Leon Trotsky and plotting to overthrow Joseph Stalin's regime. Uh, Trotsky was eventually assassinated in Mexico, I think. 1941. Um, along with Vladimir Lenin, Trotsky was considered the most prominent Soviet figure and his de facto second in command during the early years of the Russian Republic. Ideologically a Marxist and a Leninist. His writings and thoughts inspired a school of Marxism. Um, he died in 1920. Uh, I'm sorry, he died. He was born Lev Davidovich Bronstein, 1979. 
He died in Mexico City, August 21st, 1940. 80 years old. He was assassinated by an ice axe. It's a cool way to go. Um, 1941, Charles Lindbergh testifies about before the U.S. Congress and recommends the U.S. negotiate a neutrality pact with Adolf Hitler. 1942, World War II. Battle of Rabaul commences. Uh, Japan's invasion of Australia's territory of New Guinea. 1943, World War II. Troops of the British Eighth Army capture Tripoli and Libya from the German-Italian Panzer Army. 1945, World War II. German Admiral Karl Dönitz launches Operation Hannibal. The... Uh, it was a German naval operation involving the evacuation by sea of German troops and civilians from the uh, Kurland packet, uh, pocket in East Prussia, West Prussia, and Pomerania. Um, this took place while the Red Army advanced during the East Prussian and East Pomeranian offensives, and the operation was one of the largest evacuations by sea in history, even larger than Dunkirk. 1950, the Knesset resolves that Jerusalem is the capital of Israel. 1957, American inventor Walter Frederick Morrison sells the rights to his flying disc to the Whammo Toy Company, which renames it the Frisbee. 1958, after general uprising and rioting in the streets, President Marcos Perez Jimenez leaves Venezuela. 1960, the bathyscape uh, USS Tristy breaks a depth record by descending to uh, 35,797 feet in the Pacific Ocean. 1963, the Guinea-Bissau War of Independence officially begins when uh, PAIGC guerrilla fighters attack the Portuguese army station in uh, Taita. 1964, the 24th Amendment to the U.S. Constitution prohibiting the use of poll taxes in national elections is ratified. 1967, diplomatic relations between the Soviet Union and the Ivory Coast were established. Also in 67, Milton Keynes from England is uh, founded as a new town by order of the council with a planning a brief to become a city of 250,000 people. Initial, it's initially designated area and closed three existing towns and 21 villages. Areas to be developed was largely farmland with evidence of continuous settlement dating back to the Bronze Age. 1968, USS Pueblo is attacked and seized by the Korean People's Navy. 1982, World Airways Flight um, 30H overshoots the runway at Logan International Airport in Boston, crashes into Boston Harbor. Two people are presumed dead. They were never found. 1986, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame inducts its first members, Little Richard, Chuck Berry, James Brown, Ray Charles, Sam Cooke, Fats Domino, the Everly Brothers, Buddy Holly, Jerry Lee Lewis, and Elvis, the Pelvis Presley. 1987, Mohammed Saeed Hersey Morgan sends a letter of death to Somali President uh, Siad Bari proposing the genocide of the Iraq um, Isaac people. 1997, Madeleine Albright becomes the first woman to serve as a U.S. Secretary of State. 1998, Netscape announces Mozilla with the intention to release communicator code as open source. 
2001. Five people attempt to set themselves on fire in Beijing's Tiananmen Square, an act that uh, many people later claim is staged by the Chinese Communist Party to frame uh, Falun Gong and thus escalate their persecution. 2002. U.S. journalist Daniel Pearl is kidnapped in Karachi, Pakistan. Subsequently murdered. The um, he worked for the Wall Street Journal. January twenty third, two thousand two, is kidnapped near a restaurant in downtown Karachi and murdered by terrorists <coughs> in Pakistan. His kidnapping was carried out by Islamist militants after Pearl went to Pakistan as part of an investigation into the alleged links between British citizen Richard Reed, known as the Shoe Bomber and Al-Qaeda. He was beheaded by his captors and later released a video of his murder. Um, he was 38 years old. Uh, Ahmed Omar Saeed Sheikh, a British national of Pakistani origin, was sentenced to death by hanging for Pearl's abduction and murder in July 2002. But a Pakistani court overturned his conviction in 2020. So, literally, no one was punished for his murder. 2003, a very weak signal from Pioneer 10 is detected for the last time, but uh, no usable data can be extracted. Uh, for those who are not familiar with Pioneer 10, it's a NASA space probe. It was originally designated Pioneer F. It was launched in 1972 that completed the first mission to the planet Jupiter. It became the first of five planetary probes and 11 artificial objects to achieve escape velocity needed to leave the solar system. The space exploration project conducted by the NASA Ames Research Center in California, TRW, manufactured the uh, space probe in between screwing up people's uh, credit reports. Um, 2018, a 7.9 earthquake occurs in the Gulf of Alaska. It's tied as the uh, sixth largest earthquake ever recorded in the U.S. No reports of significant damage or any fatalities. Uh, 2018, a double car bombing in Benghazi, Libya, kills at least 33 and wounds dozens of others. The victims include both military personnel and civilians, according to local officials. Also in 2018, the China-U.S. trade war begins when President Donald Trump places tariffs on Chinese solar panels and washing machines. And in 2022, mutinying uh, Burkina soldiers led by Paul Henri Sandiogo Damiba deposed and detained President uh, Roque Mark Christian Kabori amid widespread anti-government protest. Now that's our uh, little history segment for today. The uh, Also, as a matter of interest, this is the birth of John Hancock, often remembered for his bold signature on the Declaration of Independence. Alrighty. You know, no question, there are a lot of mysteries um, in the world. We're going to talk about some of them. You know, modern humans have inherited a, a past filled with an enigma and puzzling mysteries. Our ancestors left us uh, history alive with ancient civilizations, symbolic structures, 
landscapes, hidden cities, myths, legends, and bizarre phenomena. Hardly a week goes by without some archaeologist or curiosity seeker uncovering a precious relic from the past. Whether it's stone tablets, scrolls, mosaics, potteries, or even skeletons. And there have been entire lost cities found. You know, many of the artifacts reveal to us important knowledge of bygone ages. How the people of the past lived, what their culture was like, what religions they practiced, how their societies functioned. But despite all that, and what we know about the ancient world, and even the world of more modern times, there's a lot we don't know and much we can't even comprehend. Rules preserving the mysterious, the unknown, and the uncertain captivate humankind. They ignite our curiosity. You know, above all, the enigmas of the past leave us wanting to know more. History Channel's 100 Greatest Mysteries uh, address that. Ancient lands, forgotten civilizations, sacred places, animal mysteries, uh, in search of artifacts. You know, frankly, the um, people have been puzzling about some of these mysteries for literally hundreds of years. I'm going to start out talking about the mystery of Easter Island. It's a, uh, a thriving, seafaring Pacific Ocean civilization that erected uh, unbelievably awe-inspiring giant statues, and then vanished. We first discovered it on Easter Sunday, 1722. That was the date that a fleet of three sailing ships under Dutch Admiral Jacob Rugavine sighted land in the remote South, uh, South Pacific. And as the ships grew closer to the island, uh, the crews were astonished to see gigantic stone statues lining the shore. 1774, English navigator Captain James Cook arrived at the island and learned the inhabitants were descendants of the statue makers. Easter Island, which was called Rapa Nui by its native peoples, lies about 2,300 miles northwest of Chile. Uh, it's a chunk of volcanic rock, encompasses about 63 square miles. And after decades of rigorous work, archaeologists and other scientists learned much about the Statues, but equally important, still debate the exact fate of the people who once inhabited this remote parcel of land. Now, there, there are between uh, 900 and 1,000 stone statues, also called Moai on the island today, but uh, a number of others have been washed into the sea by eroding waves. Statues vary from 6 to 32 feet high and share the characteristics of a long human head with outstretched chin. The arms of the statues rest snugly at the sides, and many of these statues are set upright on platforms called abu. Researchers believe the earliest settlers of the island were Polynesians who arrived about uh, 800 A.D. Culture prospered for several hundred years. The population grew, and the Moai were erected. According to this theory, the number of trees on the island dwindled, and 
There are competing theories as to why this ecological event occurred. What is believed, though, is that famine resulted in by 1680, civil war erupted among the island's inhabitants, which put a halt to the statue carving and uh, spelled the end of the Rapa Nui society. Uh, in fact, uh, in some of the um, places where they uh, cut out the stones, tools were dropped as if something happened that uh, caused the evacuation. Well, why did the island's trees vanish? One cause was the Polynesian rat that some researchers suggest uh, ate the island's forest. Furthermore, the people of Rapa Nui used the trees to supply nearly all their needs, food, houses, firewood, canoes, logs, and even sleds to move the statues. Maybe it was simply a matter of time before the islanders' uh, sources of timber were no more. So is the sad fate of Easter Island a tale from the past or a warning to modern humankind about a future disaster. And next, let's talk about the mysterious city of Machu Picchu, sitting high atop the Andes Mountains in Peru. It's the left refuge of the Incas, site of the greatest engineering and architectural achievements uh, in the New World. There's very little to compare to Machu Picchu. When Hiram Bingham of Yale journeyed to Peru in 1911, he was searching for the lost thinking city of um, Vilcabamba, the jungle abode he'd read about in 16th century text written by Spanish explorers. And he did find a long abandoned city high on the in the Andes Mountains, but it wasn't Vilcabamba. Uh, <coughs> oh, no. It was Machu Picchu, site unknown to Westerners until uh, Hiram Bingham stumbled upon it. Today, Machu Picchu, with its massive, carefully carved stone walls and buildings, one of the most spectacular Archaeological finds in all of South America. <laughs> the so-called lost city of the Incas was there for 165 miles northwest of Peru's capital, Cuzco, in south-central Peru. Located about 7,000 feet above sea level on the eastern slopes of the Andes, it stretches out over an unbelievable five-mile area. Now, historians believe Machu Picchu was built during the height of the Inca Empire, uh, 1438 to 1533, which was the extent of the Inca Empire. And <coughs> they believe Machu Picchu was built between 1460 and 1470. Evidence indicates the city was inhabited till the Spanish conquest of Peru in 1532. It's not known exactly why the site was abandoned, though the presence of conquistadors in the region probably played a role. Some historians have suggested, though, that a smallpox epidemic forced the inhabitants uh, to desert their uh, mountaintop refuge. Machu Picchu is a complex of about 200 buildings, which includes palaces and houses and temples and 
observatories and storage facilities. And despite all that's known about the site, its true function is still a mystery. Some archaeologists believe it was a royal estate for Incan nobility. Others claim it was a religious site. Alternate theories argue it was used as a prison or a women's sanctuary, among other possibilities. It was designated a UNESCO World Heritage Site in 1983 and named one of the new Seven Wonders of the World in 2007. But with all that, there's still a great deal of mystery surrounding Machu Picchu. You know, in spite of rumors to the contrary, Mesoamerica had civilizations that rivaled the greatest of the ancient world. In fact, Mesoamerica's first great culture of builders and traders vanished literally overnight. And that were the Olmecs. 1,500 years before the Mayan, 2,500 years before the Aztecs, the Olmecs dominated Mesoamerica. Beginning about 1,200 B.C., they established their influence along present-day Mexico's Gulf Coast, spreading southward through the jungles as far as Costa Rica. The Olmecs built large urban centers and established expansive trading. Religious practices featured rituals that subsequent Mesoamerican cultures adapted. The watered coastal areas of the Gulf of Mexico allowed farmers to harvest maize and beans and squash. And Gulf waters also yielded an abundance of shellfish, turtles, and other edible sea life. The most enduring legacy of the Olmec civilizations is the colossal stone heads carved in basalt rock. Seventeen heads, believed to be the likenesses of Olmec rulers, have been discovered so far. Other permanent records left behind by Olmec artisans include rock carvings and cave paintings and ceremonial objects like masks fashioned in jade and ceramic. Oddly enough, the historical record provides no definitive clues explaining the strange and sudden disappearance of the Olmecs. Civilization many scholars believe to be the first in the Americas. <coughs> and if you wonder why it took so long for the heads to be found, if you've never spent any time in the jungle, somebody can be standing three feet from you and you can't see them. The undergrowth is so thick. I spent almost three years in South America, five to six days a week in a jungle, and it was just unbelievable, the things we found. <coughs> so it's not hard to, to believe that a civilization can disappear. Well... From South America, let's turn to North America and the mysterious earth mounds. Thousands of earthen mounds dot the U.S. from the Great Lakes to the Gulf of Mexico. But nobody knows who the builders were or why they built them in such a fashion. At hundreds of sites along the Ohio River Valley and from Wisconsin to the Gulf of Mexico sit more than 100,000 artificial mounds made of soil and rock and ash and Shell and burned debris. 16th and 17th century settlers 
pushing westward across North America, were baffled by the strange uh, constructions, as was Thomas Jefferson, who excavated a mound near his home in Monticello, Virginia. Discovered as many as a thousand skeletons buried deep within the massive earthwork. Now, these mounds were built by Native Americans, dating roughly from 3500 B.C. to the late 1500 A.D., <coughs> and they were apparently built for a variety of purposes. Most were built to serve ceremonial and burial functions. Others served as platforms or religious buildings and residences and sites for public rituals and political gatherings. Most of these mounds were flat-topped or dome-shaped, but the most remarkable were built in animal shapes, such as snakes and eagles and buffaloes and even humans. Of course, the fascinating aspect of that is you couldn't tell the, the shape except from the air. Now, the Great Serpent Mound in Adams County, Ohio, is one of those remarkable of these uh, animal or effigy Mounds measured 1,330 feet in length and ranges from one to three feet high. It's likely built in the first or second century by the Ford ancient culture and earlier Medina culture. This serpentine shape winds back and forth for more than 800 feet and several coils uh, ending with its mouth apparently in the act of swallowing a large egg, a 120-foot long oval mound. Now, modern archaeologists are as puzzled by the Great Serpent Earthwork as were America's earlier settlers by their discovery of the mounds themselves. The Great Serpent Mound contains no buried objects inside, nor is the site used for burial purposes, leaving scholars to ponder its purpose, ponder its purpose and possible symbolism. The Cahokia Mounds, located about eight miles northeast of St. Louis, Missouri, is the largest pre-Columbian settlement in the U.S. The Cahokia people occupied the site for about uh, 800 to 1400 A.D. Complex features 120 mounds, including Monk's Mound, the largest earthwork in the Americas, which stands 100 feet high and covers more than 12 acres. Much as 20 billion pounds of soils transported and used in the construction of Monk's Mound. It was probably built for religious purposes. Uh, there's a 5,000-square-foot temple that once sat on top of this enormous flat-top pyramid. But, of course, what happened to the mound builders themselves is still a major mystery. Well, from the mounds... Let's talk about the mystery of the Clovis. Recent discoveries have uh, challenged long-held scientific ideas about the first Americans. You know, for decades, the scientific community at large believed it held the answer to the question of how and when the oldest settlers arrived in the Americas. Based on the discovery of flint spearheads and other evidence about uh, 13 to 15,000 years ago, a group of people from Asia walked across the now-vanished land bridge that connected Siberia and Alaska, headed south and fanned out across the Americas. According to this theory, these people, known as the Clovis, were the, the direct ancestors of modern Native American Indians. Now, the Clovis people were hunters of big game, and such as the mammoths, which they killed with 
finely tooled flint spears. First discovered evidence of the Clovis was, in fact, such a flint spearhead found near the town of Clovis, New Mexico, in 1933. In time, hundreds of these spearheads were found throughout North America. But recent discoveries, though, have led researchers to once again question the true identity of the first Americans. In the mid-1990s, archaeologists digging at a site in Cactus Hill, Virginia, uncovered Clovis-style spearheads dating from about 18,000 to 20,000 years ago. Spearheads were nearly identical to those made by an accomplished tool-making culture in southwest France known as the Salutrians. They were making their spearheads during that same time period. Some researchers suggested a Salutrian first theory, claiming these Europeans crossed the Atlantic in canoe-like boats and settled in North America. Seven millennia before the Clovis are said to have arrived across their land bridge. Additionally, evidence of human activity dating back 19,000 years has been found at the Meadowcroft Rock Shelter site near Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Millions of artifacts, including ancient tools made of stone and bone, have been uncovered at this prehistoric campsite. Yet another piece of evidence for Pre-Clovis occupation in North America turned up in 1974 when a fisherman dredged up a 22,000-year-old mastodon skull and a hand-tooled blade made from volcanic rock. The blade bore uncanny, uncanny resemblance to uh, Salutrian tools. And while recent discoveries suggest humans may have lived in North America long before the Clovis, we still have a major question. Who were these earliest people? Where'd they come from and how'd they get here? It's uh, answers we may never have. Well, from ancient North America, we shall talk about a hidden city in the Jordanian desert. I'm talking about the hidden city of Petra. Nestled in an expanse of forbidding mountains in the southeastern desert of Jordan lies Petra. An ancient city carved out of solid rose-colored sandstone. Successful only on foot or on horseback. Visitors to the site have to travel through a narrow, winding uh, crevice, only three feet wide in some places, before they emerge into the, to behold a shimmering marvel etched in stone. If you saw um, Indiana Jones, um, I think it was the third film, The Ross Crusade, that was filmed at Petra. Now, Petra was likely built in the 4th century B.C. by the Nabataeans. They established Petra as their capital city, strategically located and naturally fortified by the surrounding mountains and it was located on the caravan route between Syria and Arabia. Now, they went on to accumulate great wealth, trading with regional merchants as well as those from the Mediterranean and Egypt. Their riches, though, made the Nabataeans a frequent target of conquest by envious rivals. After repelling several attacks, they uh, fell to the Roman general Pompey in 63 B.C. Forty years later, Petra was incorporated into the Roman province of Arabia. But in spite of Roman domination, they continued to thrive for several centuries. But its commercial importance declined with the rise of 
trading centers in central Syria. And a series of devastating earthquakes rocked the city. And by the 13th century, um, A.D., the city was abandoned and forgotten. In 1812, the Anglo-Swiss explorer Johann Burckhardt discovered, rediscovered the lost city, which includes hundreds of tombs and temples and houses and monuments and even an enormous theater. Buildings are carved in a style that blends local tradition with Greek influence. Dams and a sophisticated irrigation system nurtured the city's Lurse Garden. Archaeologists believe the city served a multitude of functions throughout the ages, everything from a commercial hub to a fortress to a sacred place. Today, the fragile stone of Petra faces the danger of high tourist traffic and the effects of wind and water erosion. Though uh, a series of uh, large-scale preservation projects, engineers, and scientists from around the world are currently uh, trying to protect the city and restore it to its past glory. The um, Okazne, the treasury of Petra, carved into a cliff, stands 130 feet high and 90 feet wide. It's just absolutely unbelievable, the... Uh, the grandeur of this ancient city. Well, if you know anything about the Bible, you probably heard about Sodom and Gomorrah, famously uh, destroyed by the wrath of God. Well, the question has been, is there a scientific explanation for the destruction of these two biblical cities? The biblical tale of God destroying the two cities for their wickedness and sins so grievous uh, is as familiar as the Old Testament story of creation itself. So the question becomes could these cataclysmic events actually have happened as described in the Bible? Today, the place called Dab. Ed Dara on the southern end of the Dead Sea is widely accepted by archaeologists as one of the five cities of the plain mentioned in the Bible. Among those five cities was both Sodom and Gomorrah. Digs at the early Bronze Age city, which uh, was thought to have existed between 3100 and 2300 uh, BC, reveal that uh, it was destroyed by a massive conflagration, as was Numeria, a city seven miles to the south. Now, some researchers believe it wasn't a brimstone and fire rained out by God that destroyed the, the evil cities, but other natural, climactic, and geological conditions that caused the blazing disasters. One theory suggests lightning strikes may have ignited the nearby Oerwitz Dead Sea area. Another argues that the two cities that both sit on a major fault in a large earthquake zone were, in fact, rocked by earthquakes. And an earthquake would likely have spilled burning oil lamps or upset cooking fires to start and fuel the blaze. And there's always also a theory the cities could have been struck by a meteorite that set in motion fires and seismic disturbances. Unfortunately, uh, one theory is as good as another. Well, from the Dead Sea, let's go to uh, Chaco Canyon. The Lost Canyon of Pueblos. Chaco's stuck inside the 
uppermost region of northwest New Mexico. It was a major center of ancestral Pueblo peoples between 850 and 1250 A.D. The site contains the largest, most impressive collection of ancient stone, ru stone ruins in the United States. Massive structures that attest the remarkable engineering skills of uh, the Native American groups that inhabited the Southwest. The canyon was rediscovered during a 1949 U.S. military expedition. Nineteen immense structures housed an estimated 800 to 1,000 people at any one time. By the late 1200s, the Anasazi Pueblos, builders of the site, almost disappeared. It's believed a 30-year drought likely forced their removal to more favorable crop-growing lands to the south. However, there's no definitive explanation. Well, no discussion of ancient mysteries would be complete without talking about the lost civilization of Atlantis. You know, ancient writings of the Greek philosopher Plato launched thousands of years of debate and archaeological investigation. Did he make it up? Or was he talking about a real location? You know, thoughts of Atlantis, the mystical place once home to a highly advanced island culture of captivated archaeologists, ethnographers, novelists, and psychics for more than two millennia. The origin of the Atlantis story comes from one single source, Greek philosopher Plato. He claimed his source for the story was the politician and poet Solon, and when Turin heard his story from an Egyptian priest. So basically, what uh, Plato had was third hand. Now the priest described a vast island, larger than present-day Turkey and Libya combined, lying beyond the Pillars of Hercules. That was the ancient name for the Straits of Gibraltar. And according to the priest, it had existed 9,000 years before. Now, Plato provided details of the island's physical makeup, an ancient urban metropolis surrounded by three concentric rings of water with canals and bridges and a massive harbor and defensive walls encased in a unknown metal called Rekalicum, but sparkled like fire. Island teemed with forests and orchards and exotic animals and had an abundance of fresh water. The main temple of Poseidon was covered in silver and gold. You know, the Atlanteans, according to Plato, possessed an empire that stretched eastward from the Atlantic to Italy and Egypt. He could extend their domain further. Throughout the Mediterranean, they invaded Athens, which, uh, but the Athenians defeated the Atlanteans. And wanting to punish the Atlanteans for their avarice, the gods sent a host of devastating earthquakes and floods to Atlantis, sinking it beneath the waters. According to Plato, in a single dreadful day and night, the island of Atlantis vanished into the depths of the sea. Well, the legend of Atlantis was largely ignored until the late 19th century, <coughs> when Ignatius Donnelly, an American congressman, who instead of going about the, the business he was elected for, spent his time at the uh, Library of Congress, researched and published a work called Atlantis, the Antiluvian World, in 1882. 
It was a treatise that claimed all ancient civilizations descended from Atlantis. Later writers, writers including mystic Madame uh, Helena Petrovna Balatsky in The Secret Doctrine in 1888, even Edgar Casey, 20th century psychic, described Atlantis as a highly technological culture with flying machines and inhabitants who possess mysterious supernormal abilities. Well, to this very day, magazine articles and television shows, internet chatter, <coughs> continue to fuel the legend of Atlantis. For scientists and scholars, though, the lost civilization isn't lost. It never existed. Though that's, there's a great deal of argument about that. Well, prior to Atlantis, there was Lemuria, another vanished land. Late 19th century, German naturalist Ernest Heinrich Heichel attempted to explain how the, the lemur, small tree-dwelling mammal found mainly on the island of Madagascar, but also in Africa, an Indian, the Malay archipelago, could have crossed the Indian Ocean. He suggested a land bridge spanning the Indian Ocean from Madagascar to India might explain the, the lemur's widespread distribution. Further proposed, the land bridge was the cradle of humankind, and the reason no evidence of early humans has been found was that that continent sank, taking with it all traces of our most primitive ancestors. Though no proof that such a land bridge ever existed, similar to the, uh, the alleged uh, land bridge across the Bering Strait, Haeckel's theories were widely accepted. Um, though today's scientists would uh, ascribe the distribution of lemurs to continental drift. Popular interest in Lemuria, also called Mu, uh, was yet the richest crescendo. In 1888, Russian occultist Madame Helena Petrovna Blavatsky, writing in The Secret Doctrine, described the evolution of humankind through what she calls seven root races, the third of these being the, the Lemurian. She described the Lemurians as giant ape-like creatures with forearms and a third eye in the back of their head that communicated telepathically and kept dinosaurs as pets. Now, she claimed she received these revelations from what she called the secret masters who lived in mountain cities in Tibet. The Amurians were eventually drowned when their continent, which predated Atlantis, was destroyed by earthquakes and submerged beneath the waters. But even the bizarre claims of Blavatsky and her occultist followers, including numerous psychics and self-proclaimed prophets, failed to diminish interest in the lost civilization of Mu. 1931, British-born writer and engineer James Churchward resurrected the elusive land in the a book, The Lost Continent of Mu. I've read most of his series. He makes a strong case. He shifted Lemuria to the Pacific Ocean. He said it was originally the Garden of Eden, technologically advanced civilization of more than 60 million inhabitants. According to Churchward, the ancient civilizations of India and Babylon and Egypt and the Maya were mere remnants of Mu's great colonial empire. And the legend of Muria continues to thrive to this day. Many spiritual-minded people believe the Murians fled to 
Mount Shasta in California. Well, they live inside a crystal city called Telos. But if that's the case, unless somebody reigns in the governor of California, we may have another sunken land. Well, let's talk about ancient graffiti of the Roman Empire. You know, the voice of every man in ancient Roman societies revealed in the often maligned art of graffiti. Same is true today. People that have no voice of their own quite often resort to graffiti. Where graffiti dates back to the first prehistoric humans to pick up a rock and at some scribbling on stone. The most modern readers look at graffiti as vandalism. Scientists and archaeologists embrace the graffiti of ancient peoples as a way of understanding past cultures and civilizations. Nowhere on earth is ancient graffiti more abundant than in Italy's Bay of Naples, where in 79 AD the eruption of Mount Vesuvius buried the towns of Pompeii and Herculaneum under yards of lava and ash. Preserving the tons of debris or thousands of snippets of 2,000-year-old graffiti, which today provide a revelatory glimpse into the mind and daily lives of ancient Roman subjects. Graffiti in Pompeii and Herculaneum appears on the outdoor walls of houses, businesses, and administrative buildings, inside private homes and brothels and bars and on doors and doorways, just about anywhere there was an empty spot to write on. Graffiti includes advertisements for merchandise for sale, apartments to rent, political commentary, drawings, love letters, nepotisms, uh, and much more. Among graffiti's most common themes are sex and love. On the wall of a basilica in Pompeii, it says Lucilla made money from her body. In a private home, it says Marcellus loves Prenestina, but she doesn't care for him. Political observations also appear frequently. The petty thieves request the election of Vatia S. Adele as magistrate. It's interesting to note that a lot of this graffiti reveals a surprisingly literate citizenry, in spite of rumors to the contrary. Well, let's talk about the sunken city of Ostia. Overrun by Marauding barbarians, the great ancient seaport of Ostia becomes lost to history. Now, the destruction of the Roman towns of Pompeii and Herculaneum caused by the eruption of Mount Vesuvius was swift and complete. Distance allowed the city of Ostia about uh, 250 miles to the north to escape the same fate, enabled the seaport town and urban center to flourish in the ensuing two centuries. But with the gradual collapse of the Roman Empire, the once great port city declined into 16 centuries of oblivion, abandoned and largely ignored. Unlike the victims of Vesuvius's wrath, Ostia slowly floundered until it was no more. Researchers believe Rome's response to barbarian attacks on Ostia in 330 AD prompted its decline. Rather than protect the city, Roman forces were deployed to protect the harbor leaving Ostia proper to vulnerable to attack. Then the barbarians overran and plundered the city, which was never restored. 
Ignored by the powers in Rome, the city's inhabitants left in droves. Hastened by a deadly malaria breakout and by the Middle Ages, Ostia was a ghost town. Over the uh, centuries, silk carried by the nearby Tiber River and debris from the Mediterranean slowly engulfed Ostia, bearing it under many, many feet of compacted earth. Silently undisturbed until excavations began in 1937. That time, they unearthed about one-third of the entire city. Who knows what secrets still lie hidden beneath the ground? You know, Scotland's capital, Edinburgh, became home to an airless, dark, and underground city inhabited by the low-life elements of society. You know, the city of Edinburgh was built on seven hills, Late 1700s, the city began building a series of bridges to provide roadways across the uneven terrain. Because the bridges didn't span rivers, empty and dry spaces were created underneath the bridges. To maximize space in the overcrowded metropolis, merchants began to establish businesses in these empty vaults created underneath the South Bridge. Trades began to thrive in the underground labyrinth of spaces and tunnels. And as conditions deteriorated, the dark, damp vaults became home to the city's poorest inhabitants. Poor sanitation and a lack of fresh air and ventilation led to illness and disease among the unfortunate denizens of the deep. Well, in the early 1830s, the South Bridge vaults were abandoned. They were filled in with rubble and lost to time. 1980s, an excavation accident revealed the vaults and the evidence of their long-forgotten human occupation. And curiosity, of course, led to more excavations. On that note, we come to the end of today's show. We'll be back tomorrow, and once again, you'll be listening to Ken Hudnall and the Ken Hudnall Show. Till then, have a truly great evening.